This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Welcome to a Men in Blazers pod special. My guest tonight may be the only English-born person who loves America as much as I do. <laughs> Last month, he made headlines when Sporting KC traded him to Orlando City. <laughs> a, a move that he said felt like coming home. For it was Jamlando that helped him cut his teeth as a professional. In 2013, he banged in 15 goals. For your then USL pro champion, Orlando City. Your Lions were champions. And if that's not enough, earlier this year, the gentleman completed, and I adore this, his American citizenship test. He debuted for the national team, scored twice in three appearances as the US men's national team marched to Gold Cup glory. We welcome to the stage a beautiful bloke whose coming to America success story will one day rank up there in the pantheon of Yentl. <laughs> Prince Akeem. Um, most probably Scarface, a gent who sounds English, but is as American as Kid Rock. Remember, America, you can't spell freedom without D-O-M. The man who GFOP at Jeff Adams 2016 has declared is the anti-Benedict Arnold. We welcome to this stage the one and only Mr. Dom Dwyer. Guys, 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 this is not Orlando Airport. (laughs) This place has decorum. Dom, I want to say before we start, we love your story. Starts in 1990 in Cuckfield, West Sussex, Orlando City's future striker entered the world. (laughs) You moved to Norwich as a kid. Describe that to us, East Anglia, Norfolk, to someone who's never been there. Set the scene. Maybe a little bit like Missouri, a lot of fields. Agriculture Yeah. was the dominant trade. That was the future. Dom Dwyer could be either a professional footballer or a farmer. Those were the stakes. <laughs> now, I grew up in Liverpool in the 1980s. It was a, I'll be honest, it's in the, the world's greatest city, apart from Orlando. <laughs> it was a fairly bleak place when I grew up. It was a politically turbulent time. America always shone brightly in my imagination, glorious technicolor. 
And the things that defined it for me, that lured me here like harpies on a rock, were Molly Ringwald, <laughs> Ferris Bueller, Run DMC, Heart to Heart, The Love Boat, Different Strokes. When you, Dom Dwyer, think about the things that created the images of America in your mind as a kid, back in the old days, what were they? The only thing I, I really knew was uh, I watched the movie American Pie. So, I mean, that's, that's what I expected. So I wanted to come to college out here, definitely. <laughs> Can we just raise a glass to pie? One of England's greatest exports. But as a kid, I'll be candid, I would kick a ball around my back garden I scored big goals for Everton Football Club. <laughs> I won the World Cup for England. I did too. I in did my too. imagination. You, no, you actually passed the ball to me. I scored. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm never quite sure if you, it was a real pass or did you shoot? I don't know. <laughs> it, was a, but it was a cross shot. Yeah, <laughs> you, as a kid, were actually in with the shot of making it real. I wasn't. What did you tell yourself was always possible when you were going through the drills? I mean, I was just very passionate about it. It wasn't really another direction I wanted to go in. I remember I'd, I'm going to school, lunch break, you're outside with a football in your bag. I would only have a backpack that was big enough just to fit a ball in the back. <laughs> no books. Um, no books, no. Nah. <laughs> well, maybe if there's, I had to have like a little notepad, but that's it. Um, and then after school, you finish straight into the backyard, back garden, how you want to say it. Just play for, you know, three, four hours till it got dark and then do the same thing over and over again. So I guess I'm still doing that now at 27. Thank God they've invented floodlights. But from there to here, the thing I admire about you is that your career, your journey, it was just never a straight line dump. From the very beginning, you had to battle and defy the advice of so many people who told you, first you were too small. In England growing up, it's a cutthroat business, I say. Um, and you kind of learn that early as a kid. And back in that day, unless you were six foot two as a striker, you're, you're not really gonna make it. I'm at five foot nine, five foot 10 on a good day. Um, <laughs> and, and that's big for me, because I was very, very short and I had a little late growth spurt. So I always wanted to get to six foot, but I'll take it. Someone who's six foot seven, when I try and think about your career, <laughs> most savage moment I can imagine was when you're in a professional showcase in your late teens and you broke your metatarsal, the first metatarsal, I think you broke your metatarsal three times within six months. It wouldn't heal and doctors took you aside and said, you're never gonna play football again. Just describe what happened. After the third time I broke it, I had an operation and they said, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's healing. And, you know, I wouldn't really recommend playing sports. You know, you tell that to a 17-year-old footballer, <laughs> you okay, I don't really know what to do here, so. When I first interviewed you, you told me about that dark time, Dom. You said, I wasn't a good person around them. When you heard the news, a professional football career is not going to be yours. Was there one moment when you remember your low? Can you take us there? Every kid in England has that dream to, to play. Um, and, you know, all you I do is... I still do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even the big kids. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're watching TV and you, all you see is football every single day. You know, it, it gets frustrating. You know, I'm sitting there with a big old boot on my leg. You know, you just don't really know your next direction. And 
as you all know, at 17, 18 in England, you, you have a choice where it's, you know, you're either a professional now or you're going to go straight into work and a job. But you stayed in England and you bounced from club to club. You're in a spiral. You went to the non-league level. You're at Stainstown. You're at Kings Lynn. Was there a moment in your life when you looked at yourself in the mirror and you thought, Dom Dwyer, there's going to be no career, there's going to be no fast car, there's going to be no adoring fans? Honestly, no. Um, I, <laughs> I, I always knew that, that I wanted to do it. I didn't really know how I would get there. But was there a moment at all when you thought about a plan B, this soccer thing not going to work out for me? Maybe I should lose my hair and become a broadcaster. <laughs> I, I, I don't really know. I don't think so. Uh, my mum told me when I was, I don't know, nine or ten, I wanted to be an ice cream man. Um, so <laughs> I, I think just because I liked ice cream, I didn't, really, I didn't really think that deeply into it. But uh, yeah, that, that would have been a different direction. <laughs> I've got to say, Ben and Jerry both listened to this pod. <laughs> If Gwyneth Paltrow has taught us anything, it's that life is unpredictable. (laughs) (laughs) And that tiny moments can completely transform a person's fate. Your own sliding doors moment came out of nowhere to me, to be candid. You went for a trial. I find this story unbelievable, Dom. You went for a trial at QPR's training ground. There were US junior college scouts there looking for rough diamond English footballers. What do you remember of that day? What did you say to yourself when you turned up at that training ground about what was going to happen? Well, I turned up with two of my mates. Really, it was the summer, and we we couldn't find a game where we lived, so we just heard this trial was going on, so we just wanted to go and have a kick around. You know, it wasn't that serious. I think we probably went to one of the colleges nearby the night before, and and went out and enjoyed ourselves. I'm pretty sure the next day we got there, we still had some like neon paint from the, the parties that we went to in our hair. Tyler Junior College in Texas, they were the ones that came through for you. The Apaches! Yeah. A lot of Apaches fans here tonight. <laughs> they were a wonderful team, but they're not an ACC powerhouse. What did they promise you? And what did they tell you about what you were in for? when you accepted? They promised me if I, I played well my first year, then they would give me a scholarship the second year. <laughs> Not much else, to be honest. They said they would take two of my mates as well. So cool You make it sound like a Groupon purchase. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't far from that, to be honest. <laughs> you arrived here. I'm sure a lot of people told you that your dreams of a professional soccer career, they were done. Just by virtue of you coming to America. Yeah, I had actually had a coach um, from Kings Lynn, and he said, uh, you can play here, maybe in a couple of years you'll improve and you can maybe become a professional, or uh, you can go to college in, in the US and you know, have fun and party with your mates. You know, I kind of saw it a little different way, so cheers to him for that one. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, no, that, was a, that was a decision I made where I could have signed you know, non-league in England and lost that opportunity. As soon as you sign non-league, you can't come to college in the US. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I made that decision. Your coach at Kingsland was clearly one of the few Englishmen that has never seen American Pie. <laughs> but what was you in your mind on that flight over to Texas? Were you like, this is an, a professional lifeline? 
Or were you like, a free education? Or were you just like, life adventure? Whatever happens, happens, it's amazing. I think it was a bit of both. My parents definitely wanted me to get the education. Um, they kind of saw it as, okay, you probably don't have a future in football if you know, the doctors are saying, don't do it. For them, they were probably delighted that I'm you know, continuing my education. Whereas in England, you'd probably go straight into work. Of course, it was a free degree, um, but they had to pay for my first year, so I definitely paid them back. Um, but, but they, uh, they also yeah. know exactly what the ice cream industry is like in England. <laughs> but you stepped off that plane. It's 2009. You, Dom Dwyer, you're in Tyler, Texas. It was 4th of July as well. So it was... You arrived here the 4th... Yeah. I love So you. I'm like, I'm like, these guys are mad. <laughs> oh, my God. That's yeah. the opening scene of our like, movie that we're working on. We're working <laughs> I thought on there was fireworks play. every single night. My God, you must have thought America was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't wrong. You arrive in northeast Texas, where they take 4th of July quite seriously. I know all of you are thinking, you're mouthing to yourself, that's the rose capital of America. Can you just describe the town for us, Dom? and how you experienced it through your eyes when you arrived. Give us a sense, set us there. In England growing up, you kind of expect Dallas, Texas it was flying into. You kind of think sand, desert, tumbleweed. That's kind of what I thought. So I was like, is there grass there? You take a two hour drive to, to Tyler, Texas and it's a little country town and a bunch of cowboys going around and you know, they've got those strong, strong accents. The Texas girls like the English accent a lot. So it's, <laughs> it's positive. You've essentially just described Stoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say, I've been in America now for 25 years. I moved here when I was three. <laughs> and I'm still thrilled by everything, everything. I take nothing for granted. The gas stations amaze me. Your television channels, they blow my mind. Your supermarkets. I still walk through the aisles and I'm like, holy crap. Like, when, in Liverpool, there was one kind of mushroom. It was canned, canned mushrooms. You have, like, 87 varieties, and I'm like, America. <laughs> Are you still, like, amazed by this, this place that you've landed in? Are you still in shell shock, cultural shock? I'm a bit lost, to be honest. I'm waiting to wake up, and I need a little pinch sometimes. Now, I'm not ch trying to be cheesy. It's, a it's actually honest. Um, it's, I didn't think that I would find, you know, my life here, and... I'm, I'm very happy here. I'm sure I'll stay here for a long time. This is a man that's clearly been for many dinners in the Cheesecake Factory. But what were your impressions of the football? How did it compare to the English game? Tactically, technically, competitively, how did it compare to what you were used to? Technically, they, they weren't as good. Physically and, and fitness-wise, it was a different level. The US take that much more serious. You had a lot of talented players in England who maybe didn't have that discipline to you know, add that fitness part to it as well. So I think I kind of learned that when I came to the US culture. And, you know, you have those really hardworking players who, you know, may not be as talented as, you know, Spain or whichever technically, but um, they seem to compete because of the work and the effort. When I think about you in Tyler, Texas, though, I think a bit about that like, you're in a junior college. Professionals don't come out of Tyler, Texas. I look at you, I watch you play, being told you can't do this, Dom, it does seem to energize you more than any other human being that I've encountered in the professional sports environment. Because you thrived in Tyler, you starred, 
on the 2019, the 2010 team, junior college championship teams, 41-0-1 was the record of that team while you were there. You're clapping the 2010 NJCAA National Player of the Year. You moved to South Florida. <laughs> you were drafted in the MLS first round by a team called Kansas City. <laughs> I'm reading off my script. I know. You're, you played a total of 14 minutes in your first season. They dispatched you to a USL backwater. A third tier team. They dispatch you to the bowels of American soccer. <laughs> they dispatch you to USL Orlando City. <laughs> you clap, but at the time, that was an insult from a Kansas City perspective. And when I first interviewed you, you told me how it felt to be a professional in MLS and then to be dispatched down below. You told me, you said, I took the field with a lot of hate. Describe those early Dom Dwyer professional games. The hate wasn't towards Orlando, firstly. Um, but you take it as an insult. I felt like I was ready to, to perform in the MLS and you know, being told otherwise is difficult at times. And you know, I actually didn't want to come down at first and I said I wasn't going to come. But I was welcomed in so, so nicely and um, you know, obviously with a, with a great coach and a great squad of players. And, Adrian told me at the time that... Adrian um, Heath. Adrian Heath. Um, he, he said that... Uh, sorry, sorry. I, for I forgot to give him his full name. Everton's Adrian Heath. <laughs> Childhood hero of mine. I actually went to bed for 30% of my adult life with a poster of Adrian Heath above my bed. Still is. Yeah, still, still is. there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, he, he gave me the opportunity. I was very thankful for that, and I, I felt like I needed to repay him for something. He told me that he wanted me to come down specifically, um, and he picked me, and I, I was a bit upset about that because I thought maybe Kansas wanted to keep me there, but they didn't. It was just a fantastic experience. Um, I loved every minute to play in the USL and, and play in front of, you know, 22,000 fans at the time. It's, it's astonishing, it's, it 22,000 fans in a USL setting. <laughs> You, you were essentially playing angry. You were, even then, you were English Diego Costa. <laughs> Gonna stick on that one, aren't you? <laughs> or maybe he was Brazilian Spanish Dom Dwyer, we'll never know. <laughs> but at that level, USL, back then, you wash your own kit. Some of the times you're planning your own travel. Do you ever lose faith? Do you ever think, I'm not gonna be a pro? Or is that something you always, always have to hold on to? If you let go of that, you're done. Yeah, I think so. Any footballer who, who is playing professional, they knows how, know how difficult it is to get there. It's hard to stay there as well. Um, that, that's part of it. You know, the guys who arrive and, and think they've made it, they normally are quickly out. You lead Orlando City to a USL championship. <laughs> you live my dream. You scored 15 goals in 13 games. Four in the USL Championship match against the Charlotte Eagles. You return to Sporting Kansas City. And the goals, they come easy. The team win the 2013 MLS Cup. You start in that game, two championships within a couple of months. 
You said at the time, you said it was like winning the championship and the Premier League in the same season. <laughs> you ended up visiting the White House with the team. I don't know why the White House don't have the USL champions come to it. <laughs> not, not sure if I'd go now. But but that <laughs> when you were at the White House with your trophy, was that the moment that you felt I finally belong? Yeah, it was very surreal. All my friends were like, they let you in the White House. Um, <laughs> little, little English kid running around. Um, with a kind of American accent a little bit, a little twinge. My parents were very proud. It was Obama too, so you know, in England he was... Do you remember him? Yeah. In England he was a cool president. I think Senal Galati, he was the first cool president, right? <laughs> can, can we just take that so it sounds like you go, yeah! yeah! Okay, FIFA listen to this podcast. <laughs> we're a bit afraid about the Moroccan like, World Cup 2026. You went on to score 58 goals, 136 appearances in Kansas City. It never seemed like for a second that you had taken success for granted, not for one minute. You never really know when, when you played your last game or when you, you know, you're, you're not going to have another opportunity. So I think as a footballer, every time you get to step out on the pitch, there's that feeling that you get. And you know, I've talked to players that have finished playing and they, they say that's what they miss the most. Not trainings, not all of that. It's that game and the atmosphere and when you're playing, it's, it's a special feeling. So it's, you know it's not forever, um, as much as you might want it to be. So it's, I try and make sure that I remember that. Every chance you get to play, it's an opportunity. You once told me that you said, my life is all about this mantra. If someone tells you not to do something, do it. You have an incredibly mischievous, but would that be fair to say? You have a, That's pretty fair, yeah. A mis <laughs> Something that, had you not become a professional footballer in a city that loved you, it could have gotten you into a lot of trouble. Probably, yeah. yeah. I still get in a little bit of trouble, but it's just... Has it been the secret to your success when you evaluate this journey? The football world is a, is a tough place sometimes, um, so you've got to have kind of a hard head to, to stick with it. And I was just lucky enough to, to be around some really good footballers and, and people who you know, care about me as a person as well, so they kind of helped me along the way. And CJ Sapong, Kai Kamara, um, those guys, you know, I came to Kansas City and you know, they took me under their wing and they just guide you the right way through life um, and you know, make sure you're not getting yourself into trouble. And now I've done okay and I've got, I got a nice, beautiful family. Where <laughs> When you think about success, you think about talent, and you think about mental commitment, two different qualities. Yeah. You've seen talented footballers flame out along the way. Yeah, What's I, more important? I've seen so many talented footballers in England who are way more talented than me. They don't have a career. I think it's both, you know, it's opportunity, it's a bit of luck, and then, yeah, it's, it's the mental side is, is probably the biggest part of football. I mean, you see some guys who are brilliant players and then, you know, suddenly they just fall off or they, you know, take a different direction. So you kind of have to... I had a guy tell me very early on in my career that, you know, get yourself a family and, and get yourself a life outside of football and it, it should keep you in the right place and, you know, steer you on track. A family, football, and a green card. And a passport. And a yeah, you've had a green card for five years. The goals keep flowing. Chatter starts as a joke to begin with. 
about Dom Dwyer playing one day for the United States of America. As it is right now, I mean, Bradley Rowe Phillips has been through that cycle. Jack Harrison is just entering that cycle. English is the new German. But at what point do you move from, yeah, you know, that's cool, that's funny, that's fandom, to like, yeah, this is a slim possibility, to like, yeah, that is what I am going to do. Describe that emotional journey. A difficult part for me was, you know, I was committing to, to doing it with the US was, you know, I'd given up on this English dream that I'd, I'd grown up on this idea of, you know, play for England. Um, it's what you tell your parents, it's what you, you know, you tell your friends at school, and then... Um, as I've been in the U.S. a lot more, I, I saw the passion of, of the fans, and it was, you know, I've started to experience it a little bit more, and um, you know, seeing the players that have came in and out of that system, and when it becomes a reality, it's something that you know, as a player, you have to jump at that opportunity. But when did it become a reality in your head? It was after the World Cup when the U.S. Uh, I, I felt like 1950 they won. or 1990. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, one of those two. Um, and. When the team uh, tied England in that game, um, I always think that they won that game. 2010, they did. They won yeah. by drawing. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, I was in college at that time in the U.S., and I got a lot of stick for that because we were all, you know, these cocky English kids. Oh, we're going to smash the U.S. And that's, I'm pretty sure that's how everyone thought in England. And then you, you start to take the U.S. seriously, um, and, and, and rightly so. And it was just an amazing experience just to, you know, be in the U.S. for it and, and see the reaction of the fans in the country and how they... You know, they responded in such a positive way when then becoming, you know, an MLS player and, and seeing the growth in the past, you know, four, five, six years. Um, I think it was 2014 where I, I realized that this is something that I, I definitely want to do. You know, in England, you've got to get in at 17, 18 or it's not going to happen. When did the USA actually reach out and touch you and say, we're interested in you too? How does that happen? Who reaches out? What's the message? It was probably the media, you know, they say, you know, is this something you would be interested in? And it's a no-brainer for me. I, I always said, said this line that, you know, this country gave a lot to me and, it, and I, I want to give something back. And if I can do it in, in uh, football, then, uh, you know, that's, that's where I think I can help. By the way, I'm clapping because this is a man that has lived my dream. <laughs> March 16th, 2017. You, Dom Dwyer, born Cuckfield, West Sussex, accompanied by your wife, Sydney LaRue. And then, six-month-old Cassius became an American citizen. I'm saying this as someone who this week has had their fingerprint test. Oh, yeah? Uh -huh. <laughs> and there's, please God, <laughs> one step away from becoming a citizen of this great nation, the United States of America. When you became an American citizen, can you describe how it feels? Because I started crying just being fingerprinted. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really get emotional and 
or any way until I got there. I kind of realized what was happening and what I was doing. It was a special feeling. I was surprised of how I felt. You know, I was very proud. My family supported me and, and they're proud of me too. And it's home for me now. It is home for you. And you made that clear. July 1st, you did what I've been told by the guy that fingerprinted me will happen when I become a US citizen. You pulled on the jersey of the US men's national team. Unlike me, in my dreams, you only scored once on your debut <laughs> against Ghana. I want to know, before kickoff, when you looked at yourself in the mirror, did you be like, Dom Dwyer, you have done it, dude. Despite the people that told you you were done, you've done it. What did you feel? Bruce said something as we went out, and he was like, there's no better feeling than playing for your country. And he was spot on. You know, I didn't really know what I would feel. And then I put the shirt on, and I'm looking around at the players around me, and trying to take everything in, and I felt very proud. When you set, stood there for that national anthem, they trick us, they play us another one about the Queen when we're, when we're young. <laughs> and then they play us the beautiful one that you all listen to. Before the Ghana game, the friendly, sincerely, what went through your mind? As a kid growing up in England, the, the dream is just always to play for England. There's not baseball, basketball, football. It's, well, there is football, but proper shaped one. Uh, and, you know, it's, there's only one dream is to just to play for your country. And, um, you know, obviously I came to the U.S. and it was a brand new opportunity for me. So, um, you know, I am living out that dream. And, you know, to me now, I'm playing for my country. thrive through that and then after the group stage Josie Clint arrive Bruce Arena he told you Peter Vermes wanted you back in Kansas City it was an ominous sign Peter Vermes wanted to tell you that you've been traded to the greatest of cities I should say it was mixed emotions but I was delighted It, it, it was always a dream for me to come back here and, you know, after that 2013 year, I always knew I wanted to come back and, and hope that I would and, you know, now I'm here, it's, it's time to do it. Your poor wife engineered a move to Kansas City. How did she receive the news? Not the best. Still hearing about it now, actually. <laughs> she <laughs> no, tweeted, Dom, get traded to Nordstrom FC. Hashtag, find me in the purr section. <laughs> yeah, I had to get her a few little gifts and, you know, soften the blow a little bit. Hopefully not too long, she'll be here as well. You didn't, you didn't hear that from me. You got a very good purr section here in Orlando. Orlando 2013, Orlando 2017-18. 19, 20, 21. Cassius, 32, 32, 34. How different a world is 2013 from Orlando 2017? 
they showed me the plans of it in 2013, and it's, it's everything they said and more. They promised a huge stadium. They promised it was going to be full every single week. They promised that they'd, they'd bring big players in and it'd be a, a big club, and it's exactly what it is. You arrive here on the training ground, new teammates. You were trying to kick the crap out of these guys the past couple of seasons. How is that psychologically? For me, it's fine. I hope they're okay with it now. They seemed okay. You know, I, I think we're all competitors. They welcomed me very warmly. It was nice. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. It's my, my first club that I've moved from. And it's a special group I've joined. Um, you know, I know that the table says a little bit differently, but it's, it's a very talented group of players, and I'm confident that we can get things turned around and you know, put ourselves in the right position to, to be competitive. Now, I need a bit more than that to make me believe. The reception here in Orlando Airport. Again, I'm going to edit this out, the podcast. I didn't get that reception when I arrived this morning <laughs> on the uh, 947 flight from Washington, D.C. You were mobbed. That level of fandom for a man. You've been at Staines. You've been at Kings Lynn, both great clubs. You've been at Tyler, an amazing college. Not one that projects elite DP MLS footballers. When you arrived here, were you like, yeah, this is something that I'm used to? Or were you like, this is a remarkable moment in my life? It was a tough day, going away from your family and changing lives. My phone wasn't working throughout the whole flight. There was no Wi-Fi, so I didn't really know what was happening. And I had a text from my wife when I landed, and it said, oh, you've, you've got a bit of a welcoming at the airport. Um, and, and I... I I was thinking there'd be 10, 15 people, um, you know, and then, and then the madness came around the corner. And I, I, could, I could hear you all before I could see you, and then every single hair on my body was, was standing up, most of them. It was, it was very special, and it was, it was very raw, so I, I appreciate every bit of it. Was anyone here tonight at the airport? Don Dwyer, your whole career as a human being, you were written off. You were told that you were not good enough. And then you arrived here. Do you think, yeah, Dom Dwyer, I'm here? Or do you think, Dom Dwyer, I'm here. I have to prove myself after all of my story all over again. Um, I definitely have to prove myself. You know, I I'm not going to look back in the past and achievements or goals anything like that you know it's, this is a new this is a new adventure this is a new journey so it's it's not a given that, that I'm going to be successful here and that we're going to win but um, you know it's something that, that I'm going to put every single piece of me that I can to, to help that happen for this club and you know I have a belief that I really really want to bring a championship to this city and, and I believe that I will. Where are you in your mind, in the Dom Dwyer story, the English Landon Donovan, where are you? <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm still improving. I'm still in that learning stage of my career where I, you know, I, I want a coach to shower me at training. Um, you know, I, I want to learn, I want to get better. I still get frustrated and as a player, you're getting pissed off in training. I think you realize that you, you still really care and you want to get better. You know, I think I still got the best years of me ahead of me. I hope so, anyway. What do you dream about now? A man of dreams, unlike me, who actualizes his dream. 
I mean, it's a leading question. <laughs> I'm confident in, in this club and there's a reason that I want to be here and stay here. And, and I, I have very high hopes, like, like all of you as well, and I'm confident. Your journey from Cuckfield, West Sussex, to Orlando, to international football, to be a father, to be a husband, and an American. Yeah. It's been the opposite of a straight line, Dom. Yet you have done all of them. As a footballer, an MLS Cup winner, a US international. An all-star scorer against Real Madrid. When you think about your journey, what life lesson do you draw from it all? Not to give up on, on your dreams and what you want to do. I think it's something that I would want to tell my son when he grows up and to understand. Arsene Wenger, have you heard of him? He wants to, he's your future manager, by the way, Orlando. No, 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 I've got to tell you. By the way, the great, the, the 2021 Orlando Invincibles, you're going to like that. You're going to love that season. He said, we always speak about talent, intelligence, glamour, but tenacity is the common theme for every successful person in life. And I think about his words, and I think about you, Dom Dwyer. How do you relate to those words? I think it's important to just want to be a footballer and want to improve. And you know, I, I don't take for granted what I do. I love it. I feel like I'm very lucky. So it's, when I step on the field, I, I turn into a bit of a different person. And sometimes I black out sometimes. So I try and be, I try and be a bit extra nice off the field, because I can be a bit crazy on it sometimes. But that's just competitiveness, I guess. <sighs> We've finally gotten to the truth of the success of Dom Dwyer. We'll save that for our other podcast, Blackout, <laughs> in everyday society. May your second time in Orlando bring a repeat of the goals. <laughs> and the glory of the first. I want to say that we wish you, your wife, and your son, the greatest goal scorer in American footballing history, Cassius. And your team, Orlando City. Can we wish them all Godspeed?